Welcome. Welcome in, everybody. Um, I'm sorry. There are new features in this Twitter space that I'm going to try, and I'm going to annoy you guys this for a second. This is a sample of the voice transformer. Oh, my God. How does this work? I don't... Wow. I don't understand. What the hell is this? Did anyone else hear that weird uh, That's. I think it's me. Yeah, it's me. What is... Am I a bee? I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to normal voice. It's a Sam. Okay. <laughs> Do you have the voice transformer? Brian? I uh, I don't know that I do. Hey, maybe that's our first thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a bunch of like features have just like, you know, suddenly blown up in um in my app and I'm like, what is this app? What is all about this? Okay, speaking of, Wait, I need hold to on. What is, let's see, share a tweet. Join me in my space. Okay, that's fine. Sorry, everybody. This is like the normal process of like orientation um, after the new year. Okay, let's see. Uh, come talk about productivity and stuff. Let's see. Join us to discuss productivity apps, etc. Okay. Tweeting done. Whoa, what's that? Sorry. The app, every time I, I try to do a Twitter space, there's always something new and different to like distract me. Brian, it's all the did, same did for you, you, huh? You just don't, you never like update your apps, huh? No, no. Um, so you, you just heard that? Let me do another one. Okay. Are you, oh, you're muted. What the hell? <laughs> All right, sorry for for those this, of you who are just like joining sample? us and like trying to figure this out. There is now a a button that is a um, a magic wand at the bottom of our display, yeah. and and if yeah. you tap it, it'll change your voice. And I don't know if my voice has changed now. I can't hear myself, but um, you can pick and choose like different things, and it's it's very distracting. This and probably not is useful. a sample of the voice transformer. Okay. Nope, and then it really screws you up, and yeah. then you go out. Yeah. See, I, I yeah. Okay, so it's not working. Okay. Well. Right. It is working. That's the the weird thing is like you can't hear it when you do it. But right. But I didn't hear you do a weird voice. Did you do a weird voice? I I was trying to. All right. Let me let me try it again. Hold on. One more time. Yeah. Okay. So now you're muted. So you're like futzing with UI. Hmm. Sorry, everybody. We will get started momentarily. This is just like too weird and strange and interesting to try out. So nope. Brian's gone. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so yeah, I, no. I tried to I tried to do it, and uh, did you dismiss you the it. UI that lets you preview? Preview, hold on, because you press the the wand, and then you try to like voices, and then you come back, and I don't know, I don't understand Twitter's product philosophy here. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but so I, I tried several different things, and it just mutes me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I swear to you, like the fact that we are. Twitter's little like gerbils or hamsters that they're just like experimenting with, you know, and, and mm-hmm. don't actually try their stuff out before they launch it. Anyways, one of the new PMs on Twitter spaces reached out to me and like wants my feedback on stuff. And so I will let him know uh, that the voice transformer is dumb. Okay. I mean, it could be cool. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Maybe it's not for us. I don't know. Anyways. Okay, I got I got another question for you. Yeah. Um, and by the way, when you edit this, um, leave this all in there. Why do certain people have locks 
on oh, there because they're private accounts. I assume. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll <laughs> right. go and I'll take a look, but yeah, they have protected um, profiles. So we just got three private accounts just showing. Welcome, okay. private but, Twitter users, to our very public yeah. space. Welcome. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Uh, I got no problem with that. Hey, everybody. Happy 2022. Yes. Yes. Happy 2022. Welcome. Welcome to a new year. It's, everything's new. Nothing that happened last year is, is the same. We're, it's a complete refresh. Except for your chair, that, that goddamn chair from 2021 uh, is yeah. still there. Can I? All right, hold on, hold on a second. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a story about that. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I I got the new chair last time, and uh, <laughs> I I gave it to my wife because what I like to do, I guess, is like you know, do you, you know what you know how you like. Put, pull your feet up under you I as do. you're sitting. Sometimes I ruin yeah. so many leather shoes that way. I go to the bar. Okay, and I exactly. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the chair that I got had like really high and hard ends to it. Like it was a, you know, a $500 chair. And it Fancy. was like, if you ever try to do that, like pull your, your foot up under you while you're sitting, it hurts like hell. And so I'm like, well, this chair is a waste of money. <laughs> it, it looks good and it's attractive, yeah. but it's totally unfunctional for how I would actually want to sit. I understand. I understand. Which I realize I do it constantly. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I'm uh, anyway, so is this the tools episode? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I want to recommend a good chair. Uh, oh, oh, that's it. That's we'll, we'll do furniture and maybe, you know, housewares some other time or something. I feel like, you know, with the whole pandemic thing, people are probably really like, you know, leaned into figuring out their style, their preferences, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is the, um, so one of the things that I want to do for the new year. So like, look, this is, this is literally loosey goosey. This is what this episode is going to be. It is. It is. Um, Welcome to 2022. There, there, first of all, I need a new chair. <laughs> Number two, the, the other reason I need a new chair is because the one that I have is so old that like when I'm on uh, zoom calls behind me, like it's all like um, ratted out and ugly. <laughs> like, uh, and so, and then the other thing is, is I'm doing so many zoom calls that like I need a good background. So we're literally going to change this room and put like a bookshelf behind me. So I'm not just, you know, <laughs> having my well, kids mess. Now that I've actually visited your place, I actually believe and know that you have books as opposed to going to like some of those, you know, fancy bespoke hotels where they just like mm. buy a bunch of whatever books and they put them up and they're usually empty or blank. Yeah. So, yeah. I know. Uh, you know, if, I feel if like we're, you're a little bit late to this, Brian. I mean, for a guy who like only does tech, <laughs> the fact that you waited two years into, the, into like the pandemic and like zoom to like, be like, you know, I should really replace my background with something more interesting. Don't, don't underestimate my laziness. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay. uh, a chair, a better background. I don't you know, know, I will. Here, here's one tip for uh, for for yourself and and for the listeners, perhaps. Is I have actually gone uh, onto Etsy, and they you don't really have walls that are exposed, so you don't really qualify for this, unfortunately, unless you actually move your mm. you know thing all around. But you can get um, peel and stick, attachable, detachable wallpaper. Yeah, and yeah, it looks yeah, yeah. great. And uh, you can go back to the 1910s or into the 2020s or wherever you want to go. Um, and so my background is great. I get a lot of comments. People are like, is that real or is that a Zoom background? And I go back and I tap on the wall and they're like, no, it's real. It's, um, and it's very yeah. satisfying. So, 
So, right. I'm, I, I'm going to, I mean, I, I know that from having kids, like you can do crazy stuff to kids' rooms these days in terms of stickers and things like that. But, um, yeah, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, okay, 2022, I'm going to lose 25 pounds Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have a better, uh, background. The thing that I am screwed up on now is I, I got a haircut, uh, right at the beginning of December and I was like, Oh, Omicron's coming. I better get a haircut now. And so now (laughs) in case they shut down the the haircutting places. Yeah. So, uh, my wife is going to reopen her salon. Okay. Uh, Enough. Wait, I'm sorry. Your wife cuts hair. She has a salon. Oh no. The home salon. I'm sorry. She has, uh, in yes. So she's going to have to reopen it. Okay. My, my partner um, actually was like, you know, a, a, a hair salon stylist for many years. Oh, so really? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I well, we I need that. There. By the way, uh, Lisa might come on at some point. Oh, because she should. I, she had opinions about things. She did. And she wants to clarify. Oh. <laughs> so if she's, <laughs> okay, if she's listening, she needs to ping me. Um, okay. So guys, let me, let me do, let me do the resetting that Chris usually does. Yeah. Um, Tech me right home experience. You want. Yeah, look, and and this is Lucy Guzzi, and and by the way, Chris uh, uh, texted me offline, and he's like, "How are we going to do this?" I'm like, "Just go with it," because uh, just because we're doing something different, it's going to be fine. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Um. So, like I said on today's show, Chris endlessly. Um, whenever we're doing something together, he's like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, uh, using this app and that app. And remember, Chris is not only the inventor of the hashtag, he's also the number one hunter on product hunt. So like he knows all of the tools, all of the apps and all the things. So I've said to him multiple times, just please, you know, let's, let's talk about what you use. Um, and, um, maybe I'll adopt some of those things. Actually, I'm going to get a piece of paper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to start with like a tool that you need, but I'll I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah, Well, okay. All right. So, uh, aside from a piece of paper, okay, let's, let's start there. Um, I've used notational velocity. I've oh, used simple one. note. Good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used, uh, you know, going back to, um, Evernote, which is a disaster yep. these it's days disaster. or whatever. Yeah, what happened there. If you need a, if you need a scratch pad that like, how do you keep notes? How do especially among devices for things that you need to keep track of that sort of thing? What do you do? Yeah. So, you know, I want to step back and just like set maybe a frame and then I think it'll be helpful to sort of understand like what apps are and how I kind of like relate to them. And I was thinking about this and I kind of, I guess have like some, you know, frameworks, some patterns that repeat in my life in terms of how I organize my work and what I do. Um, then hmm. I, I, I kind of have like some fillers, like helper apps, utilities, stuff like that. Like you think about it, like maybe um, if you think about your kitchen and you know, if you don't cook, then this is probably going to be totally gibberish to you. But if you cook at all, you know, like during my walkabout year uh, in 2019, you know, I was staying in a lot of Airbnbs. And there was a lot of places I went with Airbnbs that had just horrible kitchens, you know, they just weren't good. And so I learned that I needed to carry like a spatula with me. Like literally I packed a spatula. I packed uh, I was salt say, and pepper. You've said this to me before. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it, 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 it elevates my experience just enough because, you know, I'm a big breakfast guy. So 
making sure that I have, you know, the right accoutrements for that experience is important. And so in a similar way, I do the same thing, I think, in my, you know, computing environment where I have, you know, the right spatula or this or that for, you know, just making different types of, I don't know, notes or something, something. So it's, it's those. So small little like helper apps and stuff like that makes your experience better. And then there's sort of like the megas which are these apps that kind of sit there and they have like years and years of features in them. And, you know, you have to use them. And for a long time, I think the Adobe suite for me was probably like in that realm, like especially like Adobe Illustrator. Now there are like several other apps that I I use that have replaced it. But nonetheless, those are kind of like the, I don't know, the broad stroke patterns in terms of like how I think about this. So in terms of like notes, for a long time, I was using Bear. Okay, so let me also step back. I am a big Mac user. Um, I went in deep many, many years ago. Um, I, mm. you know, I don't know, uh, like in college, I think I was resistant. I was a big PC user and then I switched over. Um, and now I just, you know, so most of my frame of reference is going to be on the Mac or on the web. Um, and I'm I actually, gonna, I'm going to say same by the way. What's that? Uh, uh, same for me. Uh, mostly Mac. Yes. Go on. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of very interesting changes that in the you know last five or six years that have evolve the state of what web apps can do and how people spend a lot of time in browsers. And considering that I started my career launching Firefox and in that world, and, you know, I understand deeply on the one hand, like the world of browsers and the web and how accessible that is. I also understand its shortcomings and the ways in which you kind of have to navigate this system that was, you know, built as almost like an OS inside of an OS. And so it kind of sucks. So there are specific, unique individual apps that I will use uh, to amplify my my productivity. So we're starting with notes. You asked about notes. I was starting to say that uh, I've used Bear for a long time. So it's Bear app, B-E-A-R, as in the animal. Um, it's essentially a markdown editor. And, you know, I once used Evernote and eventually, I don't know, it just got too kludgy or there wasn't a mobile solution, whatever it was. I kind of moved in the direction of wanting my notes to be stored in plain text so that I could always choose to use something else that was better. And Bear um, met that need. Now, that said, um, actually, let me, let me go through my list. So Bear is one, used it for a lot of things. It's great. You can create notes, sort of wiki style stuff between different notes. Um, I also use day one for journaling. Um, tons, like maybe half a dozen or so different journals for different topics, different purposes. Use that for a long time. Um, and more recently I got into an app called craft and craft is, as the name suggests, like a very well-made, very Mac specific, um, application that has a lot of craft built into it. It's sort of like, you know, I think of Figma from a design perspective as being, I don't know, it's, it's sort of like cross-platform, very webby, um, you know, as a tool for designers, but I can't quite get into it because the aesthetics, I don't know, slightly annoy me. Whereas Sketch, as a design tool, is is just much more pleasant, pleasing, attractive. I like it. And I think Craft sort of fits into a similar um, aesthetic paradigm. So those are the ones that I use okay, for notes. So, I don't know if that helps, but... Yeah, but sl- slow down a second. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, by the way, are you recording? Because I just started recording. Oh, so. I am recording. Yes, for sure. Okay, good. Um, so when I was writing the book, I was on um, Evernote uh, a lot. Oh, what because... was that like? Because a lot of a lot of people use U- Ulysses uh, as their. Okay, composer. so I don't know. I started writing the book in 2014, so this was mm, a while okay. ago. Well, yeah. And, and okay. what, one of the key things was 
yeah, right. And and the the key was searchability and tagging. And I was literally going to the library and going to microfiche. And so I needed wow. the ability to, um, you know, download PDFs or also I was, you know, I was going in and finding old copies of industry standard and things like that. And oh, so yeah. when I would see something from 1999, I would literally take a picture of it. Right. So th- if, if you look at my like photo album from those years, there's tons and tons of pictures of like mm. old, um, dot com era magazines and things like that. Um, so Evernote got me through the book, but um, Evernote also tied into notational velocity, which I don't know. Did they stop uh, supporting that? I think so. My understanding. Okay, so let me speak to notational velocity because I think it's an important idea that you know folks who are listening to this might you know um, familiarize themselves with. So the, the idea of notational velocity goes back a very long time. And as far as I know, it actually started out of Japan. And the whole intention was to make it as fast as humanly possibly, or, or perhaps computerly possible, possible? I don't know, um, to have a thought and then jot it down without having to worry about structure or filing or putting into a folder or whatever. You'd have a hotkey. And then you just start typing and that was it. And so it was sort of like an infinite stream of your notes and you'd go back later and sort them. So that was the idea of notational velocity, the idea of creating notes at velocity. So uh, what I understand is that the core developer either eventually moved off or got, you know, whatever, stopped working on it. And there have been several successive restarts or reboots of that project over time. Um, I don't know that it's been worked on in several years, but every now and then I kind of like get interested or excited about checking it out. Uh, I, I, I don't even have it on my Mac right now. So I, I basically have reverted to simple note because also simple note full, uh, pulled from the same thing, but, um, it's mostly searchability and tagability that I, that's my, my main need for it. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm going to, um, pin a, a link to it, but you can get to it at notational.net. It looks like it was last updated literally 11 years ago, not, you know, exactly, but in 2011. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to do, uh, we're all over the place here, but <laughs> I'm going to do a couple things for this reason. Great. That um, people hear these things thrown around, and I'm going to ask you how and what you use them for, but like you've already mentioned Figma. Yes. So, Figma, if you hear that thrown around but have never used it, don't know what it is, tell me. What you would use Figma for, or what I might use Figma for? Yeah, um, great question. So I, I think for many people who have to do anything with graphics, anything with design, anything with layout, maybe their entry these days is probably Canva. Um, it's sort of a web-based editor for you know creating graphics and stuff. Figma came along, and it's so funny. I talked to Dylan Field, who's the CEO um, at a food camp, you know, like before he was getting Figma started, and actually uh, was trying to recruit me. It was like, hey, do you want to come work on essentially like a, a design tool in the browser? And at the time, the browser was still shit. Like, it didn't have all the features that it had. I was like, man, that's never going to work. Like, that's going to be so slow and so janky. And Sketch is amazing. I think Sketch was out at the time. And so I said no. But Figma has turned into this just beast, um, you know, and betting on the web in Dylan's case was so wise, so smart, um, and they just really crushed it. So what you can do with Figma is you can lay out artboards essentially with different designs, different layouts. Um, there's lots of tools for this, but it works in the browser. It 
I, I think the the real differentiator um, that really put it ahead of Sla- of Sketch rather was the real time collaboration aspect. So as a as a former designer, um, and actually I started my design career at Google working in Keynote because it was vector based and it was therefore resolution independent. Um, a lot of people at the time were designing UI in Photoshop. And Photoshop, as the name implies, was not actually intended for um, designing interfaces. Um, some people would use Illustrator, but Illustrator also was des- like intended for magazines and for print and for you know kind of like legacy design surfaces. So once Figma came out, it was really adopted by I think the web design community because this was a design tool that was written in their native language, JavaScript, and they could actually hack it and build plugins and things like that. And so it's really blown up um, in that community. So, anyways, if you're just coming to Figma for the first time, what you would use it for would be laying things out, you know, cards, posters, things of that nature, designing apps. Um, or just even actually, there are a lot of people who will design um, presentations in Figma because and if you remember um, a couple years ago, there was sort of like this zooming interface that allowed you to create presentations that you could kind of like zoom in, you know, deeper and deeper, sort of an infinite interface mm. concept. Do you know mm-hmm. what this was? Do you remember this or no? Uh, vaguely, but I don't know what it would be called. That, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Someone's probably got the, uh, the idea anyways. So you would lay these things out. And then you could like zoom in and just keep going infinitely deep. Well, Figma kind of allows you to do something similar, but I would say in a more uh, maybe X, Y coordinate spatial sense. So for example, you might have a, a slide deck and then you create your slides and then you can just, you know, drag them around while you're, let's say, presenting on Zoom. And so rather than having to go in a linear fashion when presenting, you can just bounce around to whatever topics are, you know, relevant based on your audience and based on the conversation. Um, I'm going to jump to another one. Yeah. Notion. Yeah. What do you oh, use Notion for? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so, um, like, and, and, and there are probably, it's funny to think about like, you know, kind of haters that exist in some of these apps. It's kind of like, you know, whatever works. Like this is sort of like what I was saying before. Like I have frameworks for yeah. what are the things that are going to solve my problem with the fastest, easiest, most, you know, understandable way that require the least amount of cognitive energy. And I feel like Notion kind of like teeters on the edge where, as a platform for enabling people to collaborate on not, you know, not just like straight documents like Google Docs, but actually with some depth and some inner, I guess, relationships in a database sense, Notion kind of is the first merger of a database with you know, standard pages. So you can build a little internal intranet uh, where your company can put resources and stuff like that, but you can also maintain it as a as a database um, and create relationship r- relationships between all the pages in a way that you just couldn't before. So, well, data- one- databases and and wikis and stuff too, yep. right? Like that's yeah, okay, yeah. So the big difference here is like you can embed tables into a Google Docs page. But once you get into a database, you can filter the table, you can filter the views, you can create alternative views. So essentially, you have kind of like this, you know, collection of information, and you create, let's say, a list of um, filters that determine which uh, or what subset of the data that you want to show actually appears on the page. And that's incredibly powerful if you want people to coordinate and not just create like dozens of spreadsheets that repeat the same information over and over again, which personally is something I'm constantly fighting against. So 
that's one of the ways in which Notion is really amazing. And it really just blew up because there are people who, you know, are looking for a tool to organize their lives and have the ability to sort of annotate with some text areas. Now, if you've ever used numbers for the Mac, one of the things that was very different about the way that numbers approaches spreadsheets relative to Excel, although I used Excel many, many years ago, or perhaps if you've used Google Sheets, is that numbers provide you a canvas where you can create multiple spreadsheets that all live and occupy kind of in the same, you know, XY coordinate space. So again, maybe if you think about maybe like the right metaphor here is like Google Maps. You know, you can kind of kind of like drag to move your space around and, and figure out where you're going. Well, you can do that with Figma. You can do it with numbers. Um, and so in that way, you're able to kind of like see all the connections or, well, not connections, but you know, lay out the data in a more holistic way. In other words, I guess what I'm trying to say is in Google Sheets, you have tabs and each of those tabs can interact with the other tabs through formulas, but it's really hard to actually visualize it. So numbers gives you, gives you a way to kind of like visualize it, but they're still just, you know, flat tables as opposed to being databases that share different types of, you know, query languages or um, lookups. Um, I feel like I've really lost the script here. Anyways. Well, I'm, I'm going to move on anyway. And by the way, if, if if you're listening, if you're listening, we are going to get to. I know everyone knows these. We're going to get to our more obscure recommendation a bit. But um, I'm I'm literally asking for what Chris uses things for to see if I need to do them. And um, like, so far, have I convinced you of anything or, or not yet? No, okay. it's it's Great. it's going it's it's walking over me like a whatever. Um, but uh, Airtable. Which ah, I'm sent to Airtable stuff yes. all the time. Yes. So how can I integrate Airtable into what I do and why? Okay. So now you've you've hit my sweet spot. So I love Airtable. Um, it's 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 a little bit too expensive um, for for you know what it is, but yet the value it provides I think is enormous um, relative to again creating bunch of spreadsheets or something else. Now I suppose. Part of this maybe is a little bit nostalgic. When I started out my career in the early, early webs, and I'm talking like the late, late 90s, um, I was building Access databases, you know, and Access was such an amazing database, at least for me, because it provided kind of a visual tool for laying out relationships between data. And as you, you know, probably figured out by now, the way my brain works is by connecting, you know, patterns with data and information and trying to see things that, you know, are related or correlated or are similar. So what Airtable allows me to do is to organize so much information that I, I guess the way that I, I approach it is that when you build an Airtable database, you're essentially mapping a bunch of nouns and then you're creating attributes of those nouns. And then that's the data that goes into the columns of that database. And so you, the more nouns or noun types that you have, the more interrelationships you can create between those different tables of nouns, and then you can do filtering or things like that. So what's a concrete example of this? Well, I manage all of my product hunting activities in an Airtable. So people submit a form, I get all the information Mm. for their hunt, and then each of those hunts is a noun. But each of the makers of those product hunts, they are also nouns, those are people. And so there's a people table within my Airtable, which relates to all of those products. 
And then I do some consulting calls and each of those calls has its own table, of course, and each of the makers then does those calls. And so now I have relationships between products, between makers, between calls and on and on and on. So you can see how the database kind of allows me to understand better, you know, what I'm doing, what products are happening um, and to get insights into, you know, what's, um, what's trending and, and who I've worked with, frankly, over time. So it's a note-taking app that also you can like throw up for people and be like, well, here's this, and I can show it to you. Uh, but <laughs> you know, so uh, that's. I mean, you could. You could. I know. I feel yeah. like it's okay. it's like really using. That's like it's a way overpowered tool for for notes. Now, granted, you and I used it um, last um, right last season um, to get a bunch of input for um, our top stories um, episode. And so in that case, I was able to spin up a form very quickly. Um, it's, it has a much more simplistic version of kind of like type form where you can get surveys and have people fill out information for you. Um, it's not very uh, sophisticated in that sense, but it's fast. It's easy. The interface is, I think, really pleasant to use. Um, and oh, the one big thing that I like more about Airtable than Notion is that it's much more performant. Like it's just, it's much faster. And, uh, that makes a big difference when you're trying to load, you know, thousands of records or work with lots of, of data. So yeah, if you're going to use, you know, like if you want to do note taking, I think the, the stuff that we talked about before is much better. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme zocdoc.com slash tech meme let's be real for a minute most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could the problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night but today's sponsor cuts has finally changed that cuts t-shirts are such high quality wrinkle-free and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down yeah you heard that wrinkle-free you never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again if you see me in a t-shirt it's likely one from cuts i'm also a huge fan of their ao5 pocket pants the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants like literally my ideal venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling when you touch something from cuts you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. 
Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. Let me get into stuff that I can comment on. What, what's your go-to uh, calendar thing? Is it Calendly? No. Well, it depends. So I do use Calendly, probably not mm-hmm. so well. Um, I feel like, actually, I'd be very curious to hear how you organize your time and schedule. Because, I've been using, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. So I'll just lay it out and then I'm curious to hear what yeah, you do. Yeah. So I use Google Calendar. Google Calendar is kind of like where everything goes to live. I use Fantastical to actually like, you know, on a daily basis, which connects a thousand, to a thousand percent fantastical. If no one is, if someone listening is not aware of fantastical, I can, I, 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 there, there's nothing I could recommend more, okay. <laughs> especially if you're in the Mac ecosystem, but um, yes, go on. And, and so, so by the way, the reason why fantastical is so great is because it is one of those natural language tools that allows you to just write what you want, you know, meeting with Brian every Thursday, 6 PM, uh, tech beam ride home experience um, until, you know, January, 2023. And fantastic. I will understand that of the universe. Yes. And it'll actually just create those events for you. And it's amazing. So their natural language processing is amazing. And so relative to Google calendar, which doesn't offer that it really speeds things up. Now, Google calendar has done a lot to facilitate collaboration. So now you can add other people's calendars. You can see their availability. If you work in the same organization, um, those things are really good. Um, fantastic. has added the ability to propose changes and different times for meetings, which I think is okay. That is something that Calendly kind of supports. Here's, here's where my, my stuff breaks apart. So I have like my personal calendar. Then I have a a calendar that I share with my partner, Joe. And so she and I put all of our stuff on the same calendar. So we know what we're doing and what we're up to. Then we have a house calendar so that the kids can see what's going on and the kids can actually add their items to the house calendar. And what I haven't been able to figure out is how to connect my actual availability to Calendly because I have stuff on a calendar that is not my events. It's my partner's events. And yet I need to see it. And sometimes I need to block that stuff off. So I don't know. Calendly is great. Like, for booking times, but I suppose you kind of have to be very specific about when you're making your time available as opposed to what the dream was. If you remember X.AI, which was like sort of an AI calendar Mm. service, Uh it would sort of allow people to book open slots on your calendar. Well, most of my daily time is taken up or is blocked, not only by my, um, my stuff, but my, my partner stuff and the kids stuff. Yeah, I've been um, messing around with VimCal, which ah, you yep, and I talked yep. about. I, I think you uh, hunted them. It's essentially at some the, point. the superhuman of calendars, which, of course, if you yeah. know what superhuman is, superhuman is a kind of like command line based way of um, working with your Gmail. I guess is how I'd put it. Yeah. So let me ask you about that. Are you still a um, superhuman user? Because uh, I famously uh, bowed out when they required me to do an hourly, an hour onboarding for it. And I'm like, screw you. But <laughs> you know, I, I kind of regret that. Yeah. Well, because in some ways it's kind of like screw yourself. Like, because, and I'll, I'll say this because, okay. Uh, okay. This is going to tee up, a, of course, one of my very, very sort of, I don't know, strong passion areas, which is, command lines and Alfred and in this stuff. So let's, let's get into that. But so the reason why superhuman does these 30 minute, 60 minute onboardings is because a lot of people don't really know how to use their um, either like keyboard shortcuts or uh, commands. And superhuman is all built around keeping your fingers on the keyboard and not using the mouse. So 
a lot of people, if you just watch them, you watch how they use computers, they are kind of very kind of explicit interface interaction oriented. They want to press all the buttons, you know, to make sure that the thing that they want to happen actually happens. And that is effective, but not efficient. So superhuman is all about kind of getting you into the flow and moving quickly in triaging your email and either setting reminders or responding right away or BCCing people and doing introductions. Like the idea is just to power through your email once you learn those keyboard shortcuts. So the onboarding experience is designed around that so that you can play your email like a game. And, you know, uh, I regret it because one of the, one of the problems that I have now is that I wear so many email hats. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm literally jumping from lily pads. Like I've had a, uh, an email from my first company for 20 years that I never check anymore. And then I went to Gmail, a personal Gmail that I never use anymore. Then I have the industry podcast that's sort of become my personal. And then now there's the ride home media one. There's the tech meme one. There's the ride home fund one. Like, so yep. what I do half the time and, 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 and it's sort of accidentally it, it, it's, it's siloing. So like it, it kind of works for me that like, except for the fact that I miss things. Right. So I know that what I'm missing out on is being like an email, um, sort of, um, you know, fighter pilot or something like a, In your a, cockpit, a real uh-huh. email, email jockey where like everything could be coordinated. I mean, Chris, I literally on my phone assign different email apps to my emails as opposed to having them in one unified inbox. Uh, <laughs> no. So first you're not crazy. So, and second, the idea of sharding your different identities into different apps, I think is actually a very common, if not brute force way of solving the problem, right? Whether it's with browsers and having separate cookie jars. So you can go to like Safari and be signed in under one account and go to Chrome and be signed in under a different, you know, Google account or something. That is a very common way to solve for this problem. Fortunately, I mean, having been someone who worked on, you know, internet identity for a long time, because it's so critical, it's so important. And I mean, I think the thing that's maybe that you're alluding to or not saying out loud is that you need a way to know for sure that the account that you're acting as is the one that you intend to be acting as. And so you're using apps as a way of kind of slipping into different exoskeletons, if you will, like I'm thinking like Iron Man, so that you know that what you're doing is, you know, sending an email from the right place as opposed to the wrong place. And it's, I find one of the things that's really challenging is like, so I have registered the mail to handler on my Mac to superhuman, but sometimes when I click on a mail to, which doesn't happen that often, the wrong email address will actually be, um, or the wrong email account will be activated. And then I end up actually sending an email from the wrong account. And then I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, this is horrible. Thankfully, superhuman mm-hmm. will allow me to do or to undo that send and then resend it from the right account. So let me explain a few things. So Superhuman actually will allow you to have multiple accounts that you're signed into. I don't know if it's up to five, whatever it is. And you just use command K to activate the command bar. And then you can type switch and you can switch to a different account. So very quickly, you can move between those different accounts. Um, 
from a browser perspective, I use Chrome profiles very intentionally and very heavily because it allows you to sign into different Google accounts and to manage those identities simultaneously all using the same browser. Um, as well as uh, you can't exactly share extensions. I, but I need you to I need you to stop for a second. Yeah. What was that? Chrome Chrome what? <laughs> Chrome profiles. In fact, I profiles, just wrote a blog yes. post about this. Um, okay. In, in because it, it it explains how to open here I'm going to share this and pin this tweet so it's it's how to use or how to open um, links in specific Chrome profiles okay so what is a Chrome profile a Chrome profile you can imagine like it's it allows you to have well. Let me start with a a higher level sort of understanding of it and then how you can adapt it to yourself. So if you are a Mac user, you can create multiple users on your Mac. So for example, if you have a shared computer or PC or whatever, you know, Brian, if you and I lived in the same house, you would have your account, you sign into it, you've got all your apps. When I sign in, I have my apps, all my preferences. Well, this allows you to do the same thing at the browser level. So when you create Chrome profiles, you can create multiple profiles for different people. And the reason why this, well, it's not the only reason why this exists, but um, Chrome OS necessitated the the creation of these different um, profiles. Well, the good news is you can use this for your personal purposes. So you can have one Chrome profile for your own personal Google account, and then one for your professional Google account. And you can have those things. You can log into both. You can sync across your devices, and you can keep everything separate. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to link that tweet. Yeah. Okay. Well, for email, um, uh, the, the, the real problem is, is that like uh, people have to chase me around like, you know, for Christmas when my, my mom was like, uh, where should I send your gift cards? Like what address <laughs> we actually find them at? <laughs> like it, Cause it, it, it's, it's evolved over the years and, and no one knows how to reach me anymore. Um, let me, uh, this is gonna like a real left turn, but um, let's talk about uh, crypto and NFT stuff. Like the mm-hmm. only only wallet I've ever used is MetaMask. Is okay. is that is that old school now? Like, what, <laughs> what, what what should I be moving towards? Yeah, so MetaMask is kind of like the OG. Um, you know, the interface feels OG, and um, it's it's very popular. It's quite common. It's pretty, you know it's robust. Um, the mobile app. Is shit. So I, I would say a lot of crypto on mobile really sucks. A new entrant into the marketplace is the Rainbow Wallet. And um, we've actually, we had Jackson who works for those guys here um, on the pod last year. I think the Rainbow Wallet is actually really great. Um, they just, who did they just hire? I think, oh, they hired um, a bunch of folks from the Messenger team. So you can imagine that a lot of the folks who were working on crypto and Messenger and um, DM or whatever it was last called before David Marcus left are now going to be working on Rainbow. And I think Rainbow has done just a really great job in terms of the interface and the experience, and it's great. If you do use Rainbow Wallet, and I think it's um, you can get to it at rainbow.me, you can create your own wallet. It's very simple, very fast. Um, and then if you go to... Um, any website that you want to sign in with your crypto account, you'll need to use something called Wallet Connect. Now, again, as an old school internet identity guy, like I'm very familiar with the idea of choosing your identity provider or your identity service, and then you know clicking on sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook. Well, sign in with your wallet is a very similar type of concept. So if you use MetaMask, great. 
you can sign in, you can access your funds. Um, you're basically creating a public private key pair and the way that that works is that you are the only person who knows your secret phrase. And that's what allows you to sign um, transactions that prove that you as the wallet owner have the, I guess the permission to do so. And so then when you sync across your different devices, you're moving that secret phrase, you know, with you and you're signing them using, I'm not going to get into all the cryptography, but it allows you to do the same. So um, to your point, MetaMask is, um, it's, it's great. It's solid. I think Rainbow um, Wallet is a much more user-friendly um, tool. One of the things, actually, I'll just give you one more benefit of this. So one of the things in crypto land that's, that's becoming more, more common and more popular are these things called ENS domains. So these are kind of like friendly looking names, like domain names, yes, yes. but for crypto wallet addresses. So it is highly unlikely, although there, I'm sure that there are humans who have remembered their crypto wallet addresses. Um, but these human-friendly, human-readable um, address forms are becoming quite popular. So people say, oh, drop your ENS, drop your um, Ether uh, address, and you'll see people doing that on Twitter. Well, one of the things you can do is you can take those uh, ENS domains, which end in .eth, you can go into Rainbow Wallet, and you can actually follow other people. So you can actually look at other people's wallets and see what's in their wallets, not only like, you know, what NFTs they've purchased, but how much crypto they have. It's such a weird, mind-blowing thing. And like, once you have that experience, you're like, oh my God. But anyway, so Rainbow makes it very po- like easy, very possible. So in that way, it's a little bit like a kind of like crypto Twitter and that you can see what your friends are up to and what kind of stuff they're into. Let me, let me ask a, a terrible sort of noob, not noob, but a basic question because basic questions are great. I mean, like when you do your NFTing, your crypto <laughs> trading, like what are, what are you doing it on? And, and let me say this, I've done lots of things. I've, I've, you know, um, transferred, I, you know, I've, I've wrapped ETH and, and used, um, um, exchanges, and, and, but also like I've got freaking Bitcoin sitting in Coinbase since 2013, you know? Yeah. So like, so what would you say is your main thing when you're doing NFT stuff or crypto stuff? And, and that could be either the platform you're using or the wallet, as we just talked about, or, or, or whatever. Oh, this is such a hard question. And, you know, I, I don't want to, like, bore the audience, per se, by making this, like, you know, sort of a big crypto thing. I think what's more interesting about this is the way in which computing is changing, and the things that people are now wanting to do or able to do, you know, online in these social platforms is evolving and crypto and the underlying mechanics of crypto are allowing people to engage in those activities. What do I mean by that? Well, for starters, commerce used to be very, very difficult and used to have to go through sort of a centralized, you know, middleman uh, credit card processor or something like that to, you know, buy and sell goods. Now this can happen actually on a peer-to-peer basis through the blockchain. So the reason why that is so exciting is because it allows for a lot of emergent, experimental, new ideas to be tried out, many of which are completely stupid and asinine and make no sense. But think about it this way. I I realize this. It it feels like we're entering into a space. Again, you know, we've talked a lot about the, you know, software is eating the world, like it's the democratization of publishing, lots of things. But what seems to be happening is we are now changing who can mint or create credit cards. And I don't, 
quite know even like what that means, but I've always thought about kind of, you know, the, I mean, there's many around the world, but the four major credit card providers always being the ones who would sort of just be there, you know, behind the scenes, you know, creating kind of like the rails for this and the trains would run on time and you'd get on the train, you'd go from one place to another. And it was always handled by someone else, but crypto changes those assumptions so that now you know, Brian, you could sort of issue your own credit card and I could, you know, buy into your, you know, your coin um, and I could hold that and you could, I could do a bunch of transactions and no one else has to be privy to that. So it sets up a new set of primitives that allow people to try things out on the web that weren't possible before. So the way I'm trying to answer your question is to say, I'm doing a lot of exploring. I'm seeing what other people are doing. I'm using, you know, I'm in Telegram a lot. There's a lot of bots on Telegram that allow me to watch or see what people are buying, what things they're engaging in, what they're trying out. Um, I've actually found Twitter Blue, Twitter's subscription service, to be incredibly useful um, to find out what's going on and to explore. Specifically, I use top articles. And the way that top articles works is that it kind of works like a tech meme for the people that you follow on Twitter. So if a bunch of people that you follow all share the same link, you get the signal that everyone thinks it's interesting. And so top articles kind of is a, I don't know, it's like, what's the word? Um, what do you do? My, not pine. There's a word between pining and mining. It's when you're panning for gold, uh, panning for gold. That's right. what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so the best links, the most interesting things sort of bubble up there. And I find a number of interesting Discord servers or things like that. Then there's a number of tools that have been created that watch different people's wallets or that, again, allow you to follow people's wallets. Like there's one called Context. I think it's, um, it's just Context on Twitter. And you can put in, again, people's... Uh, Ethereum addresses, their ENS domains, and follow and see what they're up to and what they're doing. All these things provide you ways of seeing what's happening. And um, anyways, I guess, does that answer your question? Yes. And and this is, I mean, all of this is exactly what I wanted to go into. Um, because let me ask you this, hmm. to stay on top of crypto web three stuff, do you find <laughs> yourself, do you find yourself using discord Telegram, like what is what is the main place that you go to be like, well, this is where I'm staying on top. Yeah. For for me, the trifecta of Twitter, Discord, and Telegram are it. Um I think it's the deluge of information, you know, that I feel like I'm trying to stay on top of is just enormous. I've never I can't say I've never, but yeah, I've never, I've never been exposed to this much kind of divergent energy across the internet, you know, as, as, as now. And, you know, I, I don't mean to, I don't know, like overly center on, on my experience, but as the guy that came up with the hashtag to try to learn more about what was going on, you know, in everybody's lives to now find myself in this moment where there's just, it's just too much. There's just like stuff going on every day. And when I find new pockets of, you know, activity and people doing things like these are massive cities and massive sets of activities that are not coordinated and are doing things on their own. And I'm like, wow, this really like it's coming into its own. And that's very different because I feel like there was a time 10 years ago where you could kind of see every app as it was coming out. You could, you know, download it, try it out, sign up for an account, see if they got it right. And then, you know, find some friends and go through those procedures very quickly. I feel like that happens like almost every day now. Um, there's a new app, there's a new service, there's, you know, somebody else launching a DAO or launching a coin or launching an NFT or something. 
And it's really, really hard to stay on top of. So one, I think that's more like the real world. You know, there's just every day you can't be in every city In every city, there are, you know, millions of people who are doing things. And so you have to kind of, I think, find the people that are interesting to you that are what I, what I think of as, uh, emitters. And when I think about emitters, I think about people who have found uh, a kind of truth or a type of signal that they don't have any like question or doubt about, and they send out that signal to the internet because it's true. And they pursue that grain of truth to whatever end makes sense to them. And it's amazing to sort of watch those things. Actually, it's funny. I was on uh, the Peloton today and, uh, uh, Mortensen, Dennis, Dennis Mortensen was the instructor. And he quoted Picasso and said that, I think Picasso, uh, that that you're, the, the purpose of life is to um, discover your gift. Uh, and then what was the other thing? And then like, and the goal of life is to essentially then share your gift with the world, which I thought was really great because it sort of reiterates, or I guess reaffirms the way that I think about what's happening right now. I think that there is, as much as there is negativity and haters and doubters and all the typical noise that always works against new and novel things that are happening, there's a set of people who are, I think, genuinely pursuing a vision or a view of the future and of how they want to be in it, how they want to act, how they want to interact. Um, and I think that should be cultivated. I think you should pursue that. I think you should say yes to that and move towards it as opposed to being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, NFT is so stupid, oh, you know, ruining the planet, like, oh. I think we that's, have to find some always, positivity someplace. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, that's th- this is it's my job to to stay on top of things. But th- that's the <laughs> thing that that people always miss. Where it's like, and I always talk about like generation gaps and and things like that all the time. But it, it's when you decide, you know what? I'm not going to listen to this band because hmm. they're dumb and I'm not into this music. And then 20 years later, that's all of the music. They're like, <laughs> if, if, if you were like, I don't believe in, in reality television when Survivor came out. Well, 20 years later, you're not watching any television. Um, like, that's the thing is that like, if you, if you t- turn yourself off to a thing where it's like, it's easy to do because it's like, well, I don't like this. This doesn't gel with me. And then there's too much. And then it's just a fire hose. Right. Yeah. But then when you shut that, that room, you close the door to that room, you'll, you'll never reopen it again because then you'll, you'll be behind two years later. Like, so I always, even things that like, I don't like and don't grok. Like I always try to like leave the doors cracked a bit, you know? Yes. Um, which, you know, especially for the crypto and <laughs> well, so I think I'm, I'm sorry, like, you know, to go like high level and abstract. And maybe this is like really annoying for people who just like want the, you know, the core hard stuff. But I think this is really important and it feels important as we're entering into like a new year, you know, and there is a moment to sort of reflect on what craziness 2021 was and what 2020 was like, we've been in a very strange place for a couple of years. And those who I think maintain their uh, neuroplasticity and their ability to encounter new and foreign and unknown lands and say, okay, like, what is this land about? Like, what are, what are, what do we need to learn? Like what's going on here? I think is a pattern that can be used and applied to many things. You know, it's how I approach software. Many times I see 
you know, founders or makers trying to solve the same problem, you know, in different generations. And sometimes the generations are very, you know, short um, in terms of their frequency. And sometimes they take many years for someone to come back around and try it again. And it's very easy you know, and obvious to overemphasize memory and say, oh, because I remember this happening before and it didn't work out, well, it's not going to work this time. As opposed to trying to sort of be more expansive and say, well, actually, there are many, many more things that are happening now that weren't happening then. And so there may be echoes of what I've seen or heard previously, but I need to be open to a new emergent or kind of generative outcome that I can't anticipate. And so what if I look at this on the merits, as opposed to what is very easy to do, which is to think about this from the negative or like, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? And what if it works a little bit and starts to grow? Like, I think the example of Figma is really good. Um, You know, I I was wrong. I, I, I didn't think enough about where browsers were going or what they could do or what they could be. I didn't think enough about how CPU was going to get better and faster and how the mobile revolution was going to change battery technology such that now we have these, you know, amazing M1 MacBook Pros that'll last all day and longer because they're using technologies that were designed for, you know, micro mobility. Um, and I just, I didn't think enough about that cross pollination between these things. And so I think we are in such a rich moment right now that I guess I just keep my eyes open. Um, I don't expect to see everything or to understand everything, but I, I I'm trying to really take a, a beginner's or child mind to these things because I know that what's it's, happening now is going to determine, you know, not only this year, but probably the next four or five years, it's, it's all starting right now. It's it's funny that you use the the child's mind thing because you know as a perfect example of like closing a door like when the MCU started I kind of was not it's at the, a place where I g- universe right yes yes or I gave a shit about because my my whole thing about I, I was a, I was a film major in school so like oh Jesus Christ right. uh, comic book movies every movie ends with a superhero punching the bad guy in the face <laughs> and destroying a city. But, um, like, again, if you close that door Mm. in 2010, you've missed out on all of the movies that people care about Mm -hmm. for the last decade. And, and, and kids, my, me having kids has helped save me from, you know, being out of touch in that way. Um, but at the same time, as I say, again, like I, I, one of the reasons I love my job is especially when it comes to tech, I can't afford to close any doors because then I wouldn't use full of people. Um, let me, let me reset back to narrow, tangible stuff. Let's, let's get into the fact that you recently, um, upgraded your Mac. Um, I want to get to that in a second, but Go down your list of a couple things. Um, you you sent me uh, sort of like your step by step of how to set up a new Mac thing. Um, so number one, you still use Alfred every day. Um, I am I'm such a big Alfred fan, and and for those who don't mm. know, Alfred essentially is a launcher. Um, I believe it preceded Spotlight on the Mac, um, but it's it's one that you know I used in a very perfunctory you know kind of simple way for a very long time. And at the start of the pandemic, I, I realized that I'd been using this this app, and there was a lot of depth to it, but I really hadn't dug in. And so I decided to like get much deeper and learn more about um, the real unlock, which are these workflows. So a workflow essentially is kind of a little program that is easy to distribute and you plug it into Alfred and you can activate the workflow using 
a number of different, uh, I guess, triggers. And those triggers could be a keyword, it could be a, a hotkey or a shortcut combo, something like that. Um, and I essentially started to build little apps. You know, I'm not a programmer or developer. I mean, I can copy and paste, but you know, I'm, I'm this is one of the things that I, I hope to learn this year is, is a little bit more programming. But I was doing so many things inefficiently, as I said, sort of pointing and clicking and moving around. Like one of the things that I do every day now constantly is I search for my own tweets so that I can expand threads that I started in some cases like years ago. And why, why do I do that? Well, it's sort of like a long running record or archive of the things that are happening. I guess the way that I have, you know, think about myself in some ways is I'm kind of like the photographer of like the internet. You know, if you think about like sort of war photographers who go around and, you know, are there shooting people shooting each other, but with a camera, I feel like I do the same thing with interfaces and I've been doing it since, I don't know, 2006. So I have tens of thousands of screenshots and, um, I uploaded many of them to Flickr. And of course, Flickr is, you know, sort of not as relevant anymore. I use Twitter a lot more. And what I'm trying to do is to document like the ever evolving set of patterns that are defining software, um, that we live with today. So one of the one of the things that I started doing last year was I created these hashtags when I discover or find new features in products or apps, um, and I want to share them. So if you search, you know, you could search on Twitter and you'd probably find other people's tweets. If you search specifically for mine, you'll find uh, a bunch of new stuff under hashtag new Twitter or hashtag new Spotify or hashtag new Google Drive. I have a bunch of them. And I've created an Alfred workflow that essentially allows me to search my own tweets for specific hashtags and pull that stuff up very, very quickly in the browser so I can continue those threads uh, very, very quickly and sort of stay in flow. So I, I use it all the time, all day long, um, and I've, I've only gotten deeper into it um, this year. Um, you use Bartender like I do, which again, Mac people, if you're not familiar with Bartender, um, uh, very vital. Actually, now that I'm up there, I'm 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 going to give you a couple. Um, are you of PopClip? Which this might be uh, a, a really specific one. Do you know PopClip? I, I believe I do. Um, remind me if it's the keyboard. Uh, I'm sorry, the the um, clipboard tool. It's basically a clipboard tool. So if you're somebody that cut and, cut and paste a lot yep. like I do on a daily yep. basis. Like it, it basically supercharges your ability to cut and paste and not only, you know, carry through like, you know, the markup and the, the fonts and things like that, but like, it's, it just allows you to manage for someone like me that's writing a script every day where I'm pulling quotes from, you know, five dozen different <laughs> browser tabs at a, at a time. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, invaluable tool for me for, for managing my clipboard. Um, so I use a tool called paste. Um, and okay. I think paste is great. Um, probably very similar to, um, pop clip, a little more modern in terms of the interface. It syncs between my phone and my MacBook pro. Um, and mm. in it, you can create collections. And so one of the things that's really helpful about it is like, I have a hotkey so I can pull up my clipboard and then I have these collections, which are folders of things that I often paste or send to different people. So for example, I have a product hunt collection within paste that one allows me to send my Airtable form to people who want me to hunt their products. But I also have a number of product hunts, help center links saved 
because of the number of common questions that I get. So people are like, well, can I link to my, you know, product hunt post? I heard that like, it'll get dinged and I'll lose points or whatever. Like, no, here it is. Here's the help center article. And I send that off. So there are a bunch of things like that that you can save, um, in, in paste, if you happen to you know, send the same links often or to different people. I do use something called snippets in Alfred. And this allows you to use either plain text or rich text um, to format commonly used you know, links or information, whatever it might be. And it also supports variables. Um, it's not super robust, but, um, it does allow you, for example, to, I, I've created something where it'll take what's on the, on the clipboard and it'll paste it into an email that I send out after I hunt people's products that have the link to their product hunt and a bunch of other information. So you can also set up that way. So that's another thing that I use, um, Alfred for Alfred has its own clipboard manager too, but I don't find it quite as good because it's, it's not as visual. What do you use for backup? Because um, I don't even know what they call it anymore. And it might not be consumer-facing, but I've used Crash Plan, which I think they call mm. Code 42 now oh, for, sure. for years and years and years. Huh. Um, do you have an I just auto- use Time Machine. Okay. Well, yeah. I have that too. Listen, by the way, I have a, a, a network, network attached storage device. I have... <laughs> I have uh, 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 Hard drives that I connect, I, I use uh, Time Machine, but I've also uh, Code 42, which used to be called Crash Plan when it was a consumer-facing product, which I don't think it is anymore. Um, but it's like I always have to remember to turn it off for bandwidth uh, purposes when I record something. Right, well, because because you're like that does um, that's web-based backup, right? Yes, yes, okay. yeah. So in the past, I've used something called Copy. Was it something CCC Bombitch Software? Why do I remember these things? Uh, Ca- Carbon Copy Cloner is something that I used for quite mm. a while. That will create sort of a verbatim copy of your hard drive to another disk mm. or drive. Um, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. another tool called SuperDuper that did something similar. So if you're more on the I don't want to touch the cloud kind of thing, um, or I don't uh. want to use Time Machine, those will work. Um, I also do use Dropbox, um, and I sync a lot of stuff, and I use selective syncing to make sure that I'm not downloading everything and it offloads. Yeah, stuff. see, I've never I've never done that full Dropbox conversion that some people live their lives in. Which uh, one one more one more question, yeah. and then I, I do want to get to the Mac thing. Um, what do you use for your password manager? Because uh, by the way. Uh, if you're a human being <laughs> listening to me right now and you're not using a password manager, oh you're not a modern make it make it like being. this year to make the switch. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, well, I, I use one password. Um, you know, we had those guys on the show. As and, do I. As do I. Yeah. Uh, I, and I have for a decade now, I guess. You same. Know? Same. You know, and um, I would you know my use of software has changed. And I think it's very important to start noticing and thinking about, you know, one, some of the things that we were talking about with the change in crypto and the change in software and the nature of how software and the web and all these things are kind of, you know, pushing on each other because I am now uh, like a, a paying subscriber to a number of these apps and one password is one of them. You know, for a long time, I kind of just, you know, had one license and that was it. And yeah. it was a desktop yeah. app yeah. and, you know, fine. I've gone full in on the one password eight conversion. So have I, so and, have I, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. And by the way, people but, listen, if, if you, if you're not using a password manager, I want you to understand something. So there's not, 
I don't replicate a single password that I use, which is the main point of having a password manager, is every password is, I don't know a password. If you, if you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to give you a password until I got into one password. So number one, um, it's just, you know, OPSEC, uh, people, you know, if one of your passwords gets stolen, your, the rest of your passwords aren't, you know, susceptible. But think about this. It also works on my friggin' phone so that when I'm somewhere else and I need to log into a site, like I, it, it just goes to, um, you know, it, it scans my face. And like, so the, the fact that one password follows you around wherever you need to go, whenever you need it, like, um, if you're like, oh, I can never use a password manager because like that's too complicated, it's not complicated. And yeah. once you, it's one of those things where once you give yourself over to it, you, you can't imagine living without it. And let me, let me, let me add on that and say something a little bit different. So one, not only should you be using a different password, of course, for every website that you sign into, um, at this point, you know, if you do anything online that touches anything that's important to you, whether it's your photos or whether it's your bank account, um, it's really important to use different secure passwords that, um, you know, inevitably one of these, you know, one of these services, one of these accounts that you use will get breached. And you just don't want to create more surface area for you to be vulnerable and exposed. In addition, you want to be shifting over to two-factor authentication for everything. And one password makes it very easy to yes, yes. get those tokens and to you know reuse them um, on the phone and on desktop. The other reason why I find one password eight and beyond, which is the onepassword.com account service to be very useful is that my partner and I now have um, several, you know, accounts that we will share or need access to. Yes, and the kids are starting to have their own accounts yes. as well. So you right. can and, add, and also, yep, that's where you store your kids' social security numbers. Yes. That's where you store like the well, the, 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 the COVID vaccination the, information. You know, healthcare right, all cards that stuff. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so again, you can use your phone to like, all right, my COVID stuff. I take I, I take a picture with my phone. It goes yep. right into one password. Yeah, exactly. So. Anyways, I, I guess maybe that, that, that answers the question. I don't want to like oversell it, but I do think that moving to a world where you have a protected place where, especially, you know, if you are the person who, you know, decides which apps, you know, your family members should or could use, or you suggest them to people, um, you know, we're doing that in, in our household. And the fact that we can now share securely passwords, um, you know, is a real game changer. You know, it's no longer about having, you know, my partner or my kids, like, you know, ask me to send them the password via text, um, which then if their phone gets stolen and they forgot to like lock their phone now, you know, we're exposed. Now they have a secure way of doing that. So it just, it just really helps and it reduces the overall stress levels. Let me put in, um, uh, a shout for, if you're not, also pilled into the two-factor authentication world, like go ahead and do that too, because it's not as annoying as you think it's going to be. And especially if you use things like one password, um, it's fine. But like, you know, I, I do two-factor authentication for everything that'll allow me to do. Like, I think it was a year or two ago, maybe it was in uh, lockdown that I, I totally went over to that. So I'm just doing a shout for that. Like, go ahead. If you're not um, into the two-factor thing, um, you should do that. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. 
but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features features help you say the right thing at the right time every time plus you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to constant contacts best in class 97% deliverability rate i use this and you should too tackle any challenge with constant contacts expert live customer support plus everything's backed by their 30 day money back guarantee so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Chris, you just got uh, a new MacBook Pro, was it? I did, yes. Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah. Where do you come down on when you get a new computer or even a new phone? Uh, Starting from scratch or um, downloading from the cloud and like reinstalling, like, because when I do finally pull the trigger on my next Mac, I'm for sure, because it's been a long time now, I'm going to start from scratch. Um, so what, what's your philosophy on that? <laughs> okay. First, before we go on, um, we've got some, some questions and some um, um, follow-ups. Um, from the Twitters. So Matt Hartman asked, Oh yeah, we should have done that too. Sorry. <laughs> right. So you guys can obviously, you know, either send us DMS or leave, uh, replies and, and we'll see it. Actually, I'm yep. going to, I'm going to ask before we end for people to uh, okay. give us their recommendations too. So totally. I'll, okay. we'll do that. So, yeah. So anybody who wants to start coming up in the next, you know, five or 10 minutes, please start thinking about your suggestions and we'll bring you guys up, um, to answer Matt Hartman's question, which I think is a great question. Um, how secure is one password itself, right? You're putting all your keys into like this one cast. Is it secure? Yeah. Um, and you know, I, my sense and my answer is that I believe that it is secure. Um, I, I did share a link, and I'll, I'll pin the link here that um, talks about some of the way the, the security design of One Password. Oh, what's going on outside? Um, they've been at it for a long time. They've you know raised a lot of money. Does that mean that it's secure? Not necessarily. Uh, on the other hand. 
relative to me doing it myself, or let's say using Apple Keychain, I think one password gives me, you know, enough flexibility to store the number of things that I want to secure in a way that I feel is secure. I mean, these guys have been doing it for a long time and they have that background. So hopefully, Matt, that that does answer your question. Um, we also had a question about whether I use Obsidian, uh, which is sort of a I don't want to say it's like a, uh, it's kind of a quasi competitor to bear. It's one of those kind of markdown slash. Um, there was there was a period last year where kind of linked documents like Notion um, was very trendy, and there was like the Notion tribe, and there was the Obsidian tribe, and they were going at it. And I feel like you know crypto has kind of taken over those battles. I did try Obsidian. I think Obsidian's you know interesting as a markdown editor goes. I didn't quite understand the data model, and I'm sure for some people who so there were some people who like to create a lot of linked notes. There was a time period where I was using wikis online, and actually there was a desktop app, I think that Daniel Punkass is his name on Twitter, built. Um, was it that? Anyways, that allowed me to create kind of, you know, brackets to create links and then new documents, and you could kind of traverse, you know, the notes that you were creating very easily. And that was great. Um, I think Evernote might have even had that. I just, I don't know, like... Publishing to the web and, you know, using native linking styles is just more fitting for me. So that's why I haven't really gone down the Obsidian path. And then I also got uh, one question from Andrew about budgeting and financial planning tools. And man, I wish that I had a better answer for this because my partner and I are starting to do this. And I will tell you, here's what we do. Mm. And I do not recommend this for everybody, um, but we literally will download all of our account statements and we will put it into an Airtable that I've set up. And I run reports and I have views. And this is how she and I actually kind of audit what we're spending and where our money's going. I've also started to use a tool called Card Pointers. It's available on uh, iOS. You can also use the same native uh, app on M1 Max. And what it allows you to do is to plug in your credit cards and actually see whether you've whether you're using the benefits, you know, the discounts and things like that. Um so we're going to start using that. I've been in touch with a developer. He's got an Android app coming out soon. So we're checking out. Otherwise, there's something called Truebill. I've used, I don't know, a bunch of things. But I don't know. Nothing really uh, yeah, works so well. Do you have joint accounts yet? No. Um, and I don't know if we will. And, of course, this is a you know personal you know choice. I think, Brian, I remember yeah, I yeah. you said you do. And No, no, no. Oh, you in don't. Fact, oh, you have not done that. So oh. we're, we're coming up on our... 10 year wedding anniversary this year. And I think we're going to pull the trigger on to this day. Mm -hmm. um, we have separate bank accounts. I have no idea how much money she has. She has no <laughs> idea how much, and it, it, it's sort of it's fallen into a thing where there's certain things she buys like uh, yep. groceries and like kids clothes. And then there's certain things that I do and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's just always worked out that way, but I don't know. I think we're going to finally co-mingle now. Well, one thing that I will say about this, you know, and as much as I'm, you know, into apps and software solving problems, they don't solve all problems. Um, one of the things that my partner and I actually did, and I think are still in the process of doing, is having a series of conversations about what money means to each of us and actually getting into how money makes us either uncomfortable or empowered or whatever, you know, starting, you know, with an analysis, you know, kind of of ourselves and then bringing that into a, ideally a safe space in a container, because I think 
you know, once you commingle those things, if you bring your own assumptions and your own ideas and, you know, the way your parents married, you know, manage money or whatever into a relationship, suddenly you can bring up a lot of things that were not conscious before and it can cause a lot of, uh, you know, stress and friction and, you know, and, yeah. you know, your partner's spending a bunch of money. You're like, what are you doing spending money on this? And then, you know, you relive your parents' drama. I don't know, not to like get too into it, but I would start with some of those I, I conversations am- first. I'm afraid of that because the reason we've never commingled is because, you know, I've for my entire adult life run businesses to the, so that on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. I know like in my bones, how much money I have (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh, this business is doing well. That business is not doing well. Seems like like an intuitive sense of where you are financially. Right. And I've never been able to, get to that point where it's like, well, here's a, here's a, an Excel spreadsheet that tells you, no, I have to feel it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like the weather, you know, or something like, and, and, and my mood changes like that. Like my wife knows that now she's like, Oh shit, is something going wrong with one of your companies right now? Because you're <laughs> in a busy mood. And so like, I don't know how to have somebody else uh, it, you know, I can't, I can't ask Lisa to behave that way, you know, like, so mm-hmm. I don't know, this will, this will be an interesting experiment. There, um, so uh, my, 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 my partner, Joe is actually, I mean, I think there's going to be like a financial, hmm, what does she call it? Um, it's almost like a couple's therapist, but around money. And so I think we're going to have a few sessions with this person, you know, because they know the language, they know where the, you know, minds tend to show up in relationships. And so we're going to work with that person, um, to work through this stuff. So if you and Lisa get the chance, that might actually be something to think about. Yeah. Um, cause it, like, it's crazy. So many adult relationships end because of money and because of the way that money is yeah. managed yeah. differently or because we just don't have the ability or skills to talk about it. And it's, it's, you know, as it's becoming more and more part of the web, like it's just part of our everyday experience and you need to like, know especially if you're going to commingle in those ways, you know, that you can, you know, trust the other person or at least, you know, maybe, well, I think trust is actually the the foundation, right? So can you communicate about it even if you don't agree or you want to choose different behaviors? Um, okay. I do want to ask go people back to for, answer your question. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to, right. So in a, in a way to get back to, uh, asking people for their suggestions for apps and tools mm-hmm. and things like that, um, answer my question about what's your philosophy on, yep. um, when you get a new device, start from scratch or, um, yep. refresh from the, the backup. So, um, as of, uh, maybe, you know, Mac OS, 10.10. I think starting from scratch is a very bad idea in like 99% of cases. Um, I, I would do that previously and what I found and, and, you know, my experience is, is going to be very different for different people and different people use their computers in very different ways. And, you know, some people modify their systems and personalize and customize like I do. Other people will keep the same dock icons for 10 years and, you know, won't change the background, um, you know, wallpaper ever. That is not me. And so what I found a couple of years ago when my laptop was stolen and I had to forcefully start all over again, um, there was a lot of stuff that I, you know, used implicitly, um, whether it was in terminal or whether it was, you know, apps and packages that I installed that were just gone. And so now that, you know, so much of the Mac kind of manages your account and your personal account is so important to your whole Mac experience, um, I think you should probably stick with it. Now that said, this time around, I 
with my new MacBook Pro, I started from scratch. Um, I completely, you know, got rid of everything. And the reason is because I started um, by doing a time machine restore and I found that things were crashing. My apps weren't working. Um, now, that might have been because I didn't have the, uh, the ARM-compatible apps. You know, they were still built for Intel. Maybe some of the customizations or preferences were corrupted. I don't know what it was. I was not having a good time. And I started over, and it's been great ever since. And so what I've done in the process, and hopefully at some point I'll publish this, as I went through and I took an inventory of all the stuff that I had installed and all the things that I was using, and I went through one by one, and I, you know, decided, you know, sort of Marie Kondoed my my shit and was like, do I want this? Do I not? Does it spark joy? Does it not? See, Is this this app that I downloaded that I never use? No. That's why I do it for both my phone and my computer every. I don't know, half a decade or so is because what you do, what you discover is the things that you you're carrying around that you don't need because you'll never notice that it's not there. Right. So what I'll do when I get a new computer, I won't immediately, you know, uh, trade in the old one. I will literally sit with it for Mm. a good six months so that if, if there is something that I notice isn't there on my new thing. And also I've, I've, I've sectioned off things like the photos into specific files and things like I'll, I'll carry over the things that I know I need. And then the things that after six months, Oh, by the way, I didn't even realize that that's not on my new computer. Well, (laughs) I didn't need it. You know, I, you know, I, I, I definitely agree. And I support that. Um, and I've done more or less the same. And there have been those moments where I, you know, go to access something and I'm like, Oh, it's gone. So, I think I've now done a good enough job of moving more of my Apple libraries onto external drives. And what I mean by that is my photos library now is on an external drive, my Apple music, um, which I don't use that often, but I still have sort of my legacy archive of MP3s and DJ mixes and stuff. That's on a separate drive. Um, I've moved more and more of those things that, you know, kind of you know, end up growing and becoming these, actually my Apple TV library is now on a separate, um, backup. Cause I have like, you know, movies and videos from years ago. So those things, I think if you can move them off, then you're fine. And I've also moved a lot more of my, you know, personal documents and things like that into Dropbox. And so I can just start fresh, do a resync and that's fine. So that's how I use Dropbox in that way. But the things that you don't see, at least, you know, as a non-developer person who dabbles in code, um, is all the, uh, like homebrew, you know, customizations mm-hmm. and little scripts mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. And once you lose those, you know, like there, there may be from some GitHub repo that doesn't exist anymore. Some app that, you know, some developer made in 2014 and, you know, you need that app to open that software and, you know, or the, the, the file and it doesn't work anymore. So, but yeah, this brings me back to my, you know, I think to your point, how much of this stuff do we need to remember? And will we like remember? Will we ever go back to it? You know, I, I think there are some people who just interact with computers and they're like, ah, whatever. Like, you know, every time I use a you know a computer, I just sign out and everything's gone. No big deal. Like, you know, I create a new Twitter account every time I, you know, want to go tweet or something. And I'm like, wow, it's so different. But okay. Cool. Um Hey, uh, if you all want to share tips, uh, ask whatever, uh, please raise your hand. Yeah, come on up. Yeah. Uh, Remy has requested for a while. Um, so if he's got one of those, but yeah, uh, raise your hand and, um, suggest apps, tips, tools, whatever for us. Um, and yeah, what we'll, do you, what do you bring into 2022 and what do you leave behind in terms of, you know, the stuff that you want to use, you want to use more of less of let us know. Remy. 
What's up, y'all? We've um, put everyone to sleep. <laughs> by, the, by the way, people, uh, if you don't raise your hand soon, the way we're going to close is I'm going to go through my Kindle and, and give you book <laughs> recommendations because that's, that's my real superpower is here's what you should be reading. But... <laughs> Um, oh my God! Oh, please, I'm take really take Daza. <laughs> Remy, what you, what you got? Did mine get rugged? Uh, okay, all right. So I'm up. Um, mine is actually an app that I started using. Uh, did I lose you, Chris? Oh, no, no, there we go. I'm still here. Okay. And I hmm, maybe where maybe Twitter is screwing us right now, and no one can come up. Oh. Remy's, I, I, I was hearing Remy. Are you not? Oh, they're coming out. Oh, no, I'm not. So, oh. see, there you go. There we yeah, go. Brian, All right. All right. I will, I will, Remy, I will hold the space for you. Brian, be quiet. And then once Remy's done, I will yes. let you know you okay. can speak. Okay. 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 Remy, floor is yours. Uh, so, I'm a little bit more analog on certain things like journaling. Okay. Like, I like to like, actually handwrite iPad stuff. Um, and I found a really cool app at the end of 2021 called Concepts. Oh. which is one of those it has an infinite board oh it, you can't like zoom infinitely which okay. is a little bit of a peppy of mine but like you can change the background to being like dots or lines or graph oh do you use this on um, like an ipad or something so so the app is concepts yes. you can get to it at concepts.app yes okay oh this looks great i think i've actually seen this wow and it's cross-platform this looks really cool I absolutely love it. And the coolest part about it is it's like, it's designed for like artists. So even with the infinite board, it has features like multiple layers Mm -hmm. and multiple different writing utensils, um, which I've, I love. I use it for journaling daily basis. Um, Like I have a template where I like drew a grid of like the 52 weeks in the year. And Mm -hmm. then like have, since it's an infinite board, you can just like put a little square where you like will copy notes over the same way like people use like paper journals and i like infinite board because my adhd brain likes everything in one place mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't have to go anywhere mm-hmm. there was um what was actually was it called paper or it was called it was um, paper is another one it's yeah. like, it has infinite zoom and everything but it, the, my one deal breaker on endless paper was i couldn't put the dot grid behind it ah uh, it was just blank it's always it's so always like one this, thing yeah, it, and this was the one thing. Um, that Docker was a deal. Was like the thing that I really like needed in order yeah. to, you know, to regular bullet journal things. Yeah. that allows you to draw the templates a little bit cleaner, and you know, set up some lines. And obviously, you can do snap to grid on this too, so you can make boxes really nicely and easily. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love this thing. Awesome, cool. Thanks, Remy. Um, uh, we've got. Daza, Daza Greenwood, you want to come up? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Welcome. Real good. Thank you. Um, so this year, I okay for a tool for notes. I kind of reverted for the last many years just to plain text, um, UTF eight encoded, hmm. markdown. Sure. Period. Yep. <laughs> so I've got it, and then I you know sort sort of integrate it with other systems in different ways. Um, but um, this year, <clears throat> for the first time, I went back through and made use of tags that I, that I had sort of interspersed for... Oh, uh, say more. Um, tags. Uh, so, I, yeah, so I, I use little at tags. Um, oh. Just to, oh. so, so I can... Just quickly, to be different. I'm just kidding. 
Mm-hmm. So I can, yeah, well, <laughs> everyone does it. And it's a problem when I, when I have emails in there, but I'll, uh, I'll usually uh-huh. just strip it out in real time and um, hashtags because it's marked down. At any rate, so I've got these ad tags and I uh, use them for actions and to-do lists or when I have to write something or um, follow-ups or ideas. And for the first time, uh, because of the nice break between Christmas and New Year's, I was able to kind of do some regex and, and some grep and kind of go through the entire last year and not lose anything and see the patterns mm. across mu- you know multiple files and synthesize it and uh so that's my hack i guess is just you know plain text and regex uh you know for the win you know i i wonder um if if obsidian actually might be a good solution for you because i think obsidian does some of those cross linkings um sort of automatically for you i don't know for sure but um it might be worth checking out but that's 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 really cool i like that Obsidian. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, Tommy is up next. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you so much for letting me speak. Uh, huge fan of the podcast. I recommend it to every tech person. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the tech field, and I just, it's, I've never had a bad per, uh, review from it. So uh, thank you so much Amazing. for always putting on good content. Um, so I am, um, kind of, you were talking about earlier, just kind of slipping into different personas, Brian, about like for your email apps on your phone. And like, I am that guy, right? Hmm. So, um, I having different email apps for different things, but I also do that for notes. So on my uh, setup of a Mac guy, a couple of dual, uh, 27 inch monitors, et cetera. So for customer notes or client meetings, et cetera, I usually use OneNote because I found while on video calls, if I'm using my Apple Pencil to mm. write down notes, it, it's a lot better than if, if somebody sees me typing, they might think, oh, well, he's side-chatting somebody or whatever. So I actually use the Apple Notes on my iPad, and that syncs up with the OneNote that's currently open on my um, desktop, so I can kind of best of both worlds, right? Handwritten notes, and then kind of take uh, screen caps, put it all together, aggregate it really, really quickly in real time. So um, – that's the one notating thing that I do. The uh, productivity, I'm an omnifocus person. I know most people, I haven't heard oh, of that. Oh, like the Omni Group. Yeah, I used Om- yeah, OmniGraffle Omni. and that stuff for sure. Oh, yeah. I love OmniFocus. It's awesome. I, I was listening to a podcast, though, and they talked about how OmniFocus is really good for kind of a macro view of things. But for micro, it can kind of get in the weeds. So I found what's called the Full Focus Planner. And you talk about going analog and actually like writing out. And I've, ha- I've found that. Me and my partner, with my wife and I, we, we actually will have both have them and kind of plan for the day and say, okay, well, what are we trying to get accomplished? And at the end of the day, you know, we kind of go back and review with each other. We both, you know, have crazy busy days, kids, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so that kind of helps make it more micro to focus on what am I trying to get done? What am I trying to achieve? And then it's written down. So anyway, I know I kind of ran through a few things, but um, super, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. Like I said, really enjoy all the talking back and forth. The Concepts app, I've already opened it up and took a look at that too. So nice. uh, thank you for uh, recommending that uh, uh, earlier. I forget the gentleman's name, but uh, anyway. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, I definitely check out Concepts. Actually, you and your wife actually might find that very helpful and useful. And the kids too. Absolutely. Uh, and your, your whole thing about Fantastical and Concepts, hmm. there's a... There's a calendar for everything in our house. There's a calendar for the dog. So. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. <laughs> Without 100%. our calendars, I'm lost. So, anyway, thank you for the time. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Tommy, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Um, um, Yash, you've been waiting. What have you got? Hey, uh, this is the first time I'm ever speaking at, a, at any Twitter space, so oh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. The two apps that I'm absolutely in love with is, I'll go one by one. So, uh, you know... Uh, at least for me, I've always hated uh, time tracking apps because I have to spend more time actually logging what I'm doing, right? The start and end. 
So I found this app called Rise.io. Like that's literally the domain. Right. What like it does is R I S E or R I Z E. Like R I Z E dot IO. Okay, got it. So what it does is that you basically do your work and automatically based on the app that you're using or the website that you're going, it will categorize it in some way. For oh. example, if I'm on Figma, it'll make it design. If I'm wasting time, it'll make it entertainment. And so it's it's basically like you can do whatever you want and it'll automatically categorize your time and uh, there's another cool part where you know you can prog- program it for like taking breaks or how many hours do you want to work and not not just that if you open a specific working hour it even like it knows what's work and what's like oh uh, not yeah. work right? hmm. mm-hmm. that's good and the, the best part what i love is it also tells me while working if i'm context switching how many times uh, am i doing that uh. or if i am like uh, or if I'm getting distracted, which apps really cause the distractions? So, yeah, I mean, really loved it. I think you guys should check it out. Uh, the the second app that I was absolutely in, I'm sure everyone loves Rome Research, but uh, oh, I've Rome. Never that's the one. It. Sorry, it's Rome and Obsidian and Notion and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. But in, in case you felt that Rome is too expensive for you and you don't want to be paying that subscription, hmm. I found this app called Remnote, which used to be a, Ro- a Rome competitor but had really bad UX. Suddenly, they raised so much money and now they're like <laughs> really, really awesome in the sense of like, so, you know, if you guys are into those linkings and uh, the bullet style note right. taking, I think Remnote is the outlining. If, if you're into outlining, it sounds like. Exactly. It's, it's so, outlining, but it's also sort of making linkages and connections between pages. So it's a little bit different. I, for me, it's kind of like uh, if you're, you know, uh, how why, why why does it help me is that I used to journal on Notion, but it felt like I have to type a document. Yeah. Yeah, I can just I just come and vomit, and things get connected, and I can make links and stuff. So it's 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 more for the raw note taking and then you can take this and like expand it to a big notion doc or a google doc or whatever hmm. right that's hey, cool um, me. thank you uh, uh sorry now that i'm back and can speak again um, <laughs> yes welcome back but w- w- something that i thought of when when somebody else was speaking was um chris what app do you use to listen to podcasts you're a spotify person right ah I am. Um, I'm a Spotify. Okay. So my, my journey with podcast app, I won't overly bore you, but I, you know, I, I do think it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, I've used many of them. Um, and for a while I was using Google podcast, actually, um, it was, it was pretty fast. It was clean. And, um, I believe the, let's, the offline experience was pretty good or something. Anyways, what ended up killing it for me was the Apple watch experience, um, for controlling the podcast playback was horrible. Um, it just, it, it couldn't keep up, but it would, I don't know. And so I ended up dropping it and it turned out that Spotify has done a lot of work, a lot of work on their Apple watch experience for music and they ported it over to their podcast. And so the Apple watch experience of Spotify playlists is actually very good. So I do listen to podcasts on Spotify now. Um, it's not as bad as I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. It was, you know, rough in the early days, but now I actually do both and it's, it's totally fine. Um, so, um, and actually one of the other things that I really like about, um, using Spotify for that is that I can create playlists of my podcasts and then share them. So we have one of all the tech meme ride home experiences. Um, and so it's, it's really convenient in that way, in a way that I haven't really been able to figure out with, um, the Apple podcast app. 
Well, look, uh, obviously I have a lot of feelings about this because this is how I make my living, but um, do not use ah. the Apple Podcast app. <laughs> if you're going to use uh, a non-Spotify app, which, by the way, I would not listen to podcasts on Spotify either. Um, if you're not u- using Overcast... Uh, I, I, was, I was on Overcast for many years. You can, you, okay, you can so... Yeah, yeah. Well, look. I mean, have, have we ever had Marco on? Jesus Christ! No, I, we have I, not. I, 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 Do you know him personally? The, uh, a little bit. Yeah, uh, we've really never had him on. No. From the day that he launched Overcast, I've used Overcast. So no. basically, my entire podcasting life has been on Overcast. Um, so if you're listening right now and you're not happy with Apple Podcasts, especially, please get off Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please. Um, <laughs> Uh, go to Spotify if you want, but um, if you want an alternative, uh, try Overcast. Uh, Marco Arment um, yeah, is creator of Tumblr, you know, independent de- de- developer. It's yeah, exactly. I would, I would yeah, it. and 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 he he does this as his this is his <laughs> this is his gig slash hobby is is maintaining this app. That's one one of the things that I love about it. Um, but also, I think it's the the best designed. Um, uh, and actually, you know what? I've let me go into. Um, I think a third of our listenership is still overcast, which which wow. lets me know that you know, yeah, that makes sense though. In our audience, yeah, yeah I was going to yeah. say. So if, if if it's a tech heavy audience, it, it makes sense yeah. that, that that's where they're going to be. Okay, yeah, we got yeah. Go on, go two on. more yeah, folks. Um, Cornelius, you wanna you wanna come up? Hey, hey, hello. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, Welcome. I just looked at my overcast stats. Uh, overcast has saved me over over nine hundred and forty hours. Yes, with uh, <laughs> the smart speeds features. Oh wow! Oh um, wow! Yeah, I'm a heavy podcast listener. Um, I think a lot of my tools, my apps are going to probably be browser based. Yep, we do. I mean, we barely uh, even got into the browser stuff, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned the Chrome profiles. Yep. And I do use that. Um, it's just I'm now trying to run as few as few instances of Chrome as possible. Oh. And I actually like mm-hmm. um, Firefox's uh, approach to isolation better, so containers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can create containers, um, and they're, they're essentially like tab groups. They're... I think behind the scenes they're kind of managed as uh, profiles, but mm-hmm. I think it's a lot lighter weight. Yep. And then another feature that's built on top of it is is that they have special containers for um, uh, sites that are kind of notorious for tracking. So um, I think if I open the Amazon link, it's going to go to my shopping container. And if I go to Insta- Instagram or Facebook, it's going to put me in a Facebook container but try to keep that activity segregated to that, that one container. So uh, pretty, I like that. Um, I'm a developer, and so I use a bunch of different browsers. So I use an app called Bumper. Um, Bumper, use, okay. I think, mm-hmm. uh, B-U-M-P-R. I think it's um, Koi Vin, I think. Oh, uh-huh. um, cool. It's the creator behind that. Um I could be wrong on the creator, but I think he was also I, the I designer at the New York Times, so it's possible. Um, it, it enables you when you, so when you click links, you can choose what browser you want to open the links in. Ah, so this is very similar to what I posted my link about. I I use an app called Switchbar, and there's another one called um, 
open in, which is very lightweight. It's like two or three megs, very small. Switch bar is, it's pretty chunky, to be honest. It's like 160 megs or something, but it does it, is it a job? I do see, let's see, getbumper.com. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. B U M P R. Uh, Got it. Yep. And it's in um, the App Store. Cool. Yeah. I used to use. Oh. Oh, yeah, this I used is to nice. use one before that called Choosy, but yeah, I, yeah right. that's what I use currently is, is Bumper. This is a great uh, recommendation. Uh, went back to RSS, so I'm using uh, News uh, News Netwire. Oh, Net Newswire. So, yeah, it's open source now. Yep, yep, yep. That's, so that's a blast from my past, too. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> back when the, the social yeah, web was actually decentralized. And they're adding the first time back in. So like I, I had all, all of my feeds that used to be in Google reader. I exported yep. them over to Flipboard and to Feedly and they added Feedly support. So I just, just hooked up Feedly or whatever and stuff. So the people that still publish, I, I, I still get their updates. Hmm. Um, a new one is um, it's, I think it was shared on Darren fireball. It's vinegar. So vinegar. vinegar is a, a Safari extension, okay, and it replaces the YouTube video embed with an HTML5 embed. Oh, nice. So, so um, I guess one way you want to use it, if you haven't paid for YouTube Premium, hmm. you can try it out, right? Like on iOS where you can, um, you know, like if you want to have background playback in the YouTube app or on the site, um, oh. you have to get premium, but you can use vinegar. And since it's going to use like the web native yep. HTML video player, um, you can do background audio. Um, oh, very clever. Oh, right. Of course. Audio. Yep. Um, it's like a two or $3 extension, but it's, it's like a significant quality of life upgrade. I love that. Wait, so, and, but you use Firefox and not Safari or use both. I use everything. Okay. I, use, I mean, like, like on, on my on my work box, um, I've been having to use Chrome more just because um, a lot of our the apps we use just work best in Chrome. Yeah. Or whatever. I you know prefer to use Firefox, and a lot of times I do personal stuff in Safari. So, if uh, you have to use uh, Chrome, shout out to Brave, who mm-hmm. I still continue to use for a yep. good three years now. Gone. I was. I would also um, add Sidekick. Sidekick is another Chrome browser that I use that does a a much better job. And then this is much more relevant when I was using my Intel Mac um, to m- aggressively manage memory and to essentially unload Chrome tabs um, to give you back some of that memory. Similar to what it sounds like Firefox does. Yeah, yeah, and um, I have to declare uh, tab bankruptcy quite a bit. So. <laughs> yeah. I use um, on Chrome and Firefox. I use Session Saver, so I can just save all the just save all the windows and all the tabs. Mm-hmm. And then I just have things like I have extensions that'll just basically collapse all the open tabs into just one page. Oh, one tab, whatever. right? Like yeah, one tab. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that one too. That was yeah. useful. Awesome. So I, I've been going for a while. So. <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, those are those are some really great suggestions, actually. Um, I hadn't heard of those. Um, yep. Cool. Well, thank you. Uh, let's bring up Matthew. Hey, how are you? Hey. Uh, 
so you had uh, brought up kind of like a plethora of uh, Mac backup tools. And yeah. one that I am always uh, standing for is ARC, A-R-Q. Mm. Uh, it checks a lot of like tinfoil uh, hat kind of data uh, boxes for me. Client-side encrypted uh, and has the same – it's basically just a, a slick client on top of S3. Uh, and it's like a small shop. Uh, I think it's like maybe like a company of like half a dozen people or so. Um, so just try to rep them whenever I can. It's, and, and they're very reasonably priced. I think it's somewhere around like $100, $120 a year um, hmm. for like more storage than you'd need. Uh, and then also I was the person that had uh, uh, added you about Obsidian. Um, right. For some people that I, – I, I do get it, right? Like it's it's not the most – approachable thing to, uh, to start with. Um, but in terms of like how to apply like a information architecture to it, there's a book, uh, if you want to dive down a dark rabbit hole, uh, of Zettel Kostin, uh, there's a book on Amazon, how to take smart notes. Uh, and it kind of, it's pretty interesting. It, It kind of, uh, has you unlearn uh, our like Western education style of note taking, uh, and try to kind of reprogram your brain to take notes. That's a little bit more organic to how you should be thinking or whether you're introspective enough to, to recognize it or not. Uh, so yeah, if you, it's not a terribly long read. It's like 250 pages or so you could, you know, uh, blow through it in a weekend. It, it's pretty interesting. Uh, definitely, definitely an interesting perspective to gain. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I I saw Bumper. Uh, you you uh, blitzed me. There's an open source alternative though called Finicky. On oh yeah, GitHub. Finicky. Mm-hmm. Finicky's great. Um, so if you're not afraid of a little bit of JSON, uh, it's pretty nice because <laughs> it gives you all the gives you all the pattern matching goodness. Uh, you know that that you'd want uh, to to kick out different patterns to different to different browsers. Yeah, I think I actually looked at that, and I mean the name is actually quite accurate because I installed it <laughs> yeah. and I was instantly like, oh, this is a lot more work that I'm ready to put into this. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I think if you're you're able or willing to change your mind, like you know, and really go deep, as clearly you were able to with you know obsidian um and what was the what's the german note-taking thing that you mentioned so yeah so uh it's called zettel kosten zettel kosten yeah yeah there's a there's a uh a very active reddit uh yes. that you can kind of subscribe to um and that's more of like the the methodology whereas yeah. uh like rome research obsidian even notion you can apply this methodology uh you know with these tools totally Okay, Matthew, those were great recommendations. Uh, appreciate that. We've got one more, and then Brian's going to end with his book recommendations. Artem, what do you got for us? Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. 
Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, um, so I use an app called Meter all the time. It's M-E-E-T-E-R. Okay. So, And what it does, it's a small uh, tray app that basically connects all your calendars. And whenever you have a meeting coming up, you just click and it joins the meeting. Yes. And it supports over 30 different meeting platforms. Uh, it's pretty neat. Um, the other one that I use all the time is called Shutter. It's S-H-O-T-T-R, for taking screenshots and annotating them. I think of it as like, you know, kind of like Loom, but for screenshots. Mm. I I use Loom all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, Chris, is it okay to kind of self-promote and plug things that we're working on? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. So that's my personal favorite is Bardeen. So it's similar to... Um, ah, of course. Yes. Yes. Now I recognize your name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi. Uh, so it's similar to Alfred, except that uh, it's a Chrome extension and it integrates with uh, APIs from a bunch of productivity tools and you can create workflows across a bunch of things. And you can do one click things like, you know, convert an email to a Jira ticket or That's right. uh, scrape a LinkedIn profile to Airtable and or you know join my meetings automatically so yeah that's my list awesome well thank you what um what can people look forward to in in bardeen in 2022 let's say in q1 well i'm glad you asked um <laughs> so we're actually planning a, a product hunt launch oh now that we've been nagging you about so, uh, <laughs> if i haven't got back to you i'm sorry <laughs> no worries uh but I, so what, initially we thought that everyone would be super happy to kind of use a lot of text uh-huh. and then define their workflows in text. It's like uh, similar to programming, but very close to like natural language where you could say like, join my next meeting and it would join your next meeting. Right. But then we realized that people actually want more visual workflows. And so we're going soon to release a visual builder where you can drag and drop 
basically yeah i i mean just to make it more accessible i you know i've been pushing alfred actually for quite a while to improve their um sort of composer or tool i really think that there's um there's in in video editing software um, or 3d software there's something called like a patch interface where you kind of like connect little strings from like one block to another and i really want one of these productivity apps to use these and i think it would be super powerful okay we're doing exactly that i can't wait to try it uh, yeah, we love that app. And uh, yeah, well, one more thing that we're going to roll out in Bardeen into in this year actually is what we call predictive automation. So the idea is that it sits in your browser, it learns the things that you do, and it suggests you automations on the fly. So if it sees that you're copy pasting things from one app to the other, like from your email to whatever, like GitHub, because you got a, a user report about some issue, it will tell you like, hey, why don't you do this in one click? And so you don't even, the idea is that you don't have to think and come up with those workflows, but we will detect those for you and offer you those in context when you need them. Wow. I mean, if, if that works, that's, that, that'll be definitely a game changer. I mean, in terms of just like conceptually, the idea of having your computer kind of like notice, oh, you're doing this thing and it looks like you're doing it in a really manual, inefficient way. I can just do it for you super fast. Uh, that sounds, that sounds awesome. That's great. Yeah. And I think, I think, I don't know why I actually don't know why it's a mystery to me, but like you mentioned in the beginning, the browsers that, you know, I think browser is the Z operating system right. for everyone. And we spend so much time in it and it knows so much and it's so powerful and no one is leveraging that. And that's why, you know, we're doing this like browser centric automation uh, platform. And it also, it all happens locally. We don't send any, we don't see any of your data. We don't store any of your data. It's all mm. locally. In your I mean, this is, you know, why like back in 2005, when I was working on flock, um, that was, that was the whole concept. It was like the, the browser would be the point of integration for all these different things. And so, uh, you know, it only took like 15 years and yeah, now we're here. Anyways, Artem, very helpful. Um, very excited for Bardeen. Um, let's talk about your product launch and make it happen. Um, yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Brian, you want to, you want to give us some um, book recommendations to uh, start off the year yeah, and we'll wrap and up? I'm, I know because we're coming up on two hours, but it is my show and I will blaze. This <laughs> you can do what you want, bro. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I just have my Kindle open and look, I, if you want to get nerdy, I finally found a book about the Burgundians that I've been looking for for years <laughs> by Bart Van Lu. Wait, what's it called? It's a great uh, the Burgundians, the Finnish oh. Empire. Okay. Um, there's a great biography of Frederick the Great by Dennis Showalter that I finally. <laughs> okay, but no, no one cares about that but me. So I'm going to give you some recommendations that people might be interested in. There's a book called New York, New York, New York by Thomas D Y J A. It's basically the last four decades of New York City, how New York City came back from the brink. Maybe would be interesting to people that are concerned about San Francisco right now. Um, oh, good one. The mm-hmm. The Devil's Candy, which is a book about the making of the movie Bonfire of the Vanities, which is one of the most notorious um, bombs in Hollywood history. Hmm. Um, The Infinite Machine by Camilla Russo is the story of um, Ethereum and how Ethereum happened. Uh, Stephen L. Kent has written two histories of video games. The first one, part one, I read... 20 years ago, it's the definitive history of video games, at least 
through the you know Atari era. Uh, he has part two that he came out with, I think, about a year ago. Um, if you're interested in the history of Dungeons and Dragons, Game Wizards by John Peterson. I've mentioned Chris Mims arriving today yep, about yep. supply chain. Oh, definitely. Um, the best book I've ever read about the Vikings is called Children of Ash and Elm. Again, another history book. Um, Brad Stone's Amazon Unbound is his second book about Jeff Bezos. He also did the Everything Store about Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. The Space Barons, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and the Quest to Colonize the Cosmos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm almost done here. The Big Goodbye, which is about uh, Hollywood in the 70s. Uh, if you have never read Joe Abercrombie, I have recommended him in the past on the show, and a lot of people actually started reading him uh, after I mentioned him. It's it's If you like Game of Thrones, if you like really bloody, <laughs> gory, dirty uh, fantasy, uh, Joe Abercrombie is the bloodiest and the goriest, uh, if you can handle it. Um, then what did I also want to recommend? Um, let's see, Neil Stevenson. I'm, uh, seven eves. If you, uh, Neil Stevenson, is that his latest? Uh, no, it's, but it's maybe three or four years ago, but it's the best from him that I've Hmm. uh, read from him in years. Uh, he's obviously the guy that coined the term metaverse. Um, so if you want to, uh, actually I need to read diamond age too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been meaning to do that. Uh, okay, last one is, and this is my ultimate recommendation, if you don't listen to me about anything else, um, Bill Bryson, who some of you might know, he's a best-selling writer, um, the best book he ever wrote, and this is another 20 years ago thing, but I've reread this book more than any other book, it's called A Short History of Nearly Everything, and uh, it is uh-huh. just the history of every science you can imagine. Here's how... Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, physics came about. Here's how Is it like here's sapiens, people, but for science, but just for science. So like, uh. you know, here's the people that discovered plate tectonics and here's how plate tectonics works. Here's like every single thing about a science. If you're like, well, I've, I don't know much about uh, relativity or whatever. Each chapter is just from, you know, biology through physics, through whatever. It's a short history of nearly everything by Bill Bryson. I, I've turned, dozens of people onto that book. Um, and it's one of the books that I listen to in on, uh, audible to fall asleep at night because since I've read it, so much, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's the best. So, um, huh. that's my last one. There you Wait, go. So, okay. Where are, do you put this list someplace? I feel like people want to refer oh, to those. Shit. I certainly do. I actually have to write it down. <laughs> well, you know, you could also just reply to my tweets and just put the list there, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, or yeah. you could use one of these right. note taking apps that we've talked about, you know, at like, that's true. That's true. Or I can get uh, somebody, uh, a transcription app to do this. Otter. One more, one more. If you've never read N.K. Jemisin, Mm. um, the greatest uh, sci-fi slash fantasy writer of the last decade, um, what was, what's her, oh shit, (laughs) what's her series about N.K. Jemisin? Her most recent book is The City We Became. Hmm. But she's most famous for not the Earthsea trilogy. What is it? Uh, whatever. Just look up N.K. Jemison. Um, she's won the Hugo Award and all sorts of things. Um, yeah, that's it. Perfect. Broken Earth. Broken Earth series. Broken Earth series. Yes, that's N.K. Jemison. Okay. Well, all right. That's it. 
Brian, this was our, I think our first two hour episode and it was just you and me. Um, and I feel like we almost just barely scratched the surface in terms of all the different things that we could have gone into. So yeah, we could, we could do this again. Man, um, at we could some do point. this yeah. all night as uh, <laughs> the quote in Fight Club goes. Um, <laughs> right, right. Anyways. Well, welcome to 2022. I think I like this, this format a little more casual, just get right into it and go. Indeed. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody that uh, participated and gave us good ideas. I've been taking notes, too. So, you know, rewind and take notes. And, and if we miss anything, maybe. feel free to hit us up, let us know, and maybe we'll bring those yep. into uh, future episodes. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Later, everybody. All right, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.